Um, welcome. Last week we've started with not a series but with um, a compilation of sermons that, that we're going to look at the power of the gospel. Now last week we spoke about G-Power. I don't know if you remember. G-Power is the power that BMW used to, to pump their cars. And it was so quite amazing when I read the article and, and look at But the actual power, the G-Power is the gospel power. It's the power of God. To salvation and and we want to look at foundations of the gospel of Jesus before we go into a place of who we are as a church we need to know what is the foundation of church now the gospel in so many times are preached as right living but it's not it is right believing you see whatever you believe you will live am I right whatever you believe will lead you to right living Am I right? I mean, that's, that's what we want. We want to teach our children to believe right so that they will live right. If we hide our kids every day, they do something wrong and not explain to them, this is why daddy wants you to do this. They'll never do it because they never understand it and they never believe it. I want them to believe God so that they will live right. Not just force them to live right and never know what they believe. And that's why the gospel is right believing to lead us to right living. Now, if you look at how churches has developed over the years and years and years, over the centuries, it is actually amazing. It's actually quite astonishing. If, if you think about the church, how it evolved and how it developed, it's astonishing. And personally, I think it's a good thing that church evolved. Why? Because we need to be relevant to a lost generation. We can't do church like 50, 60 years ago. Otherwise, we won't be relevant to a generation who's changing from generation to generation. So as church, we need to evolve. We need to develop. Now, I also believe that we need to, to build from a certain foundation. It's good to evolve as a church and to develop. But we need to know what is our foundation as a church. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about church. We need to know where we come from. What is... What is the DNA of church? And if you go and look in the book of Acts, that's the DNA we want to look at. That's where the church was birthed. Now if you open the internet today and you go and Google church, it's actually quite shocking if you see the, all the colors and flavors and genres and all the churches, thousands of churches in the world today. When we planted this church, actually we've been going for six months. Our church is just six, six months old, so it's actually quite amazing, or just over six months. So when we planted the church, me and Salome took a couple of months to pray through, Lord, what is the DNA of our church? What do you want us to do? What is our name? Because a name gives you identity. And we were looking at names all through the internet. It was crazy to know how many churches all across the world are called something with light. Just light. Or or ignite or activate I mean I, we went through everything and it was crazy to know that there is not even one word or one explanation that is not taken <laughs> it is quite amazing but it's amazing how God just leads us to exactly the identity that you need to build as a church and that 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 will minister to a certain kind of people I mean we're all not called to go to one church otherwise we would have one church but there's certain genres and certain things that people feel comfortable at which is amazing and that's why we have more than one church now 
As much as I believe that we need to stay relevant to reach the world, so much I believe that we need to constantly make sure that we don't deviate from God's plan for church. I don't care what church you are. I don't care how you do it, how amazing, or how much of a show it is or not. It's amazing, all those things, but we can't deviate from the plan that God has for church. Am I right? We need to look at the basics of where the church come from. Now, if you, if you look at our town, we are privileged to have a river that runs through Salambos. That's called the Eerste River. Or the, uh, there isn't actually an English word for it, the first river. It's, it's the Eerste River. Now, I grew up in a town that, that had a river that went through town called the Moy River. And we had so much fun as boys in that. I mean, we played clay lot. I don't even know if there's an English word for it. But uh, we played in the river in the mud. We, I mean, we even, as, as boys, we went, take, took tubes down the river when the rain came down. I know it's a culture in Stellenbosch as well. But it was so much fun as young people. Now, if you look at the river like this, you don't go to where the river runs into the sea to look how clean and how, what the quality of the water is. You go to the source. Now, if you walk into Jonker's Hook to the second waterfall, you can actually drink that water with your hand out of... I mean, when we cycle into Jonker's Hook, we usually fill our bottles and just drink that water. We are so privileged. So you never go to Dorp Street here down and fill up your bottle and have oh, it's a nice drink. I mean, you'll get sick. You'll be infected with definitely with something. But see, as churches, we cannot risk being polluted and miss our calling as churches. We need to stay connected to the origin, that source of life where God has said, this is how I want my church to be. Do we have that attributes of the ex-church in our, in, our, in our churches today where we saw how the apostles and the disciples built the church? See, in Acts 2 to 5, we can see a church was full of, full of the miraculous power of God. We saw people who met daily, and I know it's not the same today. We can't meet daily. But you can pray daily together with your wife, your husband, friends. We saw people that were devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles. They were in the Word. They were in the Scriptures daily. They, they fellowshiped together. They prayed together to, uh, on a constant basis. And then they broke bread together on a constant basis. See, they've sh they shown us some foundation of church that we need to run after and grasp and say, Lord, are we doing this? Is the church still the same like you've called us to do with a different flavor to reach a new generation? See, they, these guys in Acts were a prophetic sign and a wonder for an age to come that was bringing heaven to earth. That's what they showed. And that's what we're reaching out. Now, before I start um, as a foundation, I want to tell you a story of Johnny. Now, usually when I talk, talk about Johnny, it's a joke, but this is not a joke. This is Johnny, he loved cricket. Now, we all know cricket. And, I mean, when, when boys get to an age of about 10, 11, 12, they just, I mean, they want to do everything with the ball. I don't know, Andre, you would know. They just want to run, kick balls, hit them. You, I mean, that's what they want to do. Because Johnny loved cricket. And he took his cricket bat one day, put his gloves on because he was about to bat his ball. But it was just him. So what he did is he took the ball, he threw it in the air and he shouted, I'm the greatest batsman in the world. And he swung and he missed. And he said, wow, what a great ball that was. And he picked up the ball and he threw the ball in the air. And he said, I'm the greatest batsman in the world. And he swung and he missed. It's like, man, another good ball. Wow. 
And the third time he did the same and he threw the ball in the air and he, he shouted, I'm the greatest batsman in the world. He swung and he missed. And he looked at the ball and said, wow, what a ball. I must be the greatest bowler in the world. <laughs> How many of you agree that Johnny will make it in life? He would make it in life. Why? Because he's got a great attitude. You see, attitude is everything in life. Sports psychologists will tell you that your attitude will determine your altitude in life. It's like an old cliche quote. Now if I will take all the quotes that I have, that if you go to the internet, there is thousands of quotes on attitude. And I can keep you busy for a whole day just reading quotes from all important people and what coaches and not coaches and business people say about your attitude in life. But there's one quote that I want to read to you called, from a guy called Charles Swindle. Now, Charles Swindle was a pastor with an absolute heart to get the gospel out into the world. So he started and planted two, over 2,000 radio stations worldwide to share the gospel with people. And this is what he said. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me, is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than success, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a player or a team. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way and we cannot change the ineventable. The only thing that we can do is play on the one string we have and that is our attitude. I'm convinced that life is 10% of what happens to me and 90% how you react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitude. Now this is a guy who planted over 2,000 radio. To plant a radio station is a different thing than a church. There's a lot of money going into that in countries that you don't know. And this guy had an attitude of never being defeated. Trusting God to get a gospel out there to preach to people who never knew or never heard about Jesus. I believe that our attitude will determine the level of kingdom power in our life. Did, did you hear what I say? That I think our attitude will determine the level of of the kingdom power in our life. The anointing you walk in. What God gave you. Now the right attitude will enable us to live from a higher level of God's, what God created us to live by. If you have a lower level or a lower or wrong attitude, it will limit us to a lower level of authority. So if you know who you are in God, there's a higher level of authority that you live by naturally. You know who you are. You, you're a king and not a you're a king and a priest. You're not defeated. You're the head and not the tail. I mean, you, there's so many scriptures that tells us what our what our attitude needs to be and who we are. Our attitude on what we believe, on what we believe as Christians, should be should be a revelational key that will elevate us to the highest level of the kingdom. So, what do you mean, Henny? What do you mean? I mean that an attitude that know that I'm a son of God. That I can speak to sickness and it needs to bow its knee. That I, need, I, can, I, can, I can put my foot on the devil's neck because he is defeated. 
How can we get an attitude like that that cause all impossibilities to bow to us? How can we do that? No, I don't know about you, but I want to know how an attitude like that looks like on a daily basis. I work with athletes and I sometimes work sports psychologically with athletes and I have to tell them on a daily or on a weekly basis, this is how your attitude needs to look like for you to be successful. Now for us as Christians, how do I, our attitude have to look like for us to know the level of our authority? Know who we are in Christ. See, it's the attitude of the most significant person who ever walked on earth. It's the attitude that the Bible instructs us to have. Now let me show you. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 11. It says, you must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord, to the glory of God the Father. What a powerful scripture Paul wrote. See, God did not humiliate Jesus. God did not humble him. Jesus humbled himself. That's what the scripture says. He humbled himself to a point of being nothing. See, the attitude we need to reach to get to the highest place is not to grab the highest place. It's to humble ourselves. Now, in a worldly system we live in, this is quite a harsh word because the world says you need to go as hard as you can, you need to be unfair, you need to reach out, shove people away from you to get to that place first. Because if you don't get to that highest place in your business, wherever first, other people are going to get there. But see, we can't compare the worldly system to a kingdom system. Because in a kingdom system, works differently. I'm, I believe that in, in, in the world, you need to work hard. You need to strive to get to that place of being great and being good. And that's what God has given us. But in the kingdom culture, if you want to grab, push people away, you're going to lose rather than win. Why? Because Jesus set the way. He showed us how an attitude in the kingdom to step up into an attitude, no, not an attitude, but step up into an attitude, into a place of authority that will bring us to a place where we function from the authority that God has given Jesus. In, in, in this world it might be tough, but in a kingdom it's different. Let me explain. Most of us think that humility is a fruit of the Spirit. It is not. Humility is an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of the heart. If you go to Corinthians and read the, the fruits of the Spirit, it not says you need to be humble. And, and by that attitude, you approach your whole life. I had a man in my life who taught me early in my life how to be humble. But not be sorry for myself and sit in the corner. 
but through humility serve people, but through humility love others, through humility reach for the highest goal by trusting God. See, Jesus humbled himself. He didn't fight to be exalted. He gave up everything. And what did he do? He came to defeat the devil. Why? Because the devil had stolen authority that was delegated to Adam. And that was the, that was the, the, the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. Now, his first, he first tried to take the position to make him equal with God. That's what the devil did. He wanted to be equal with God. What did God do? He threw him out of heaven. So what did the enemy, what did the devil try? He tried to grab equality with God. What did it bring him to? He lost his authority in heaven. Isaiah says, the devil tried to grab a position of equality and lost his authority in heaven. Go and read Isaiah. Now when that didn't work, he was trying to attain the lost, what he lost, his authority, he came to Adam. And he came to Adam and he, he stole his delegated authority that God gave him. And what did he tell him? He said, you can be as great as the, God, as, as the Father, as Father God, if you only eat this fruit. Which was so foolish because Adam was made in the image, <laughs> the likeness of God. He told him he would get something he already had. If you think about it, Adam were walking with God in the garden. Nobody till Adam or since Adam could, could see God because God is too powerful. So Adam had to have a glorified body. He had to be a supernatural being like God to fellowship with God. So then the enemy comes to him so you can be like God. Just give up. Just eat this fruit. See how foolish that was. See, Jesus came and did the opposite of what the devil did. He didn't come to grab authority, but he came to humble himself. He came to show the character of God to the whole world. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he did three things. Firstly, he cancelled Adam's authority that he had, that was stolen by the devil. Secondly, he cancelled the rules and regulations, the law that came with that authority. And then thirdly, he disarmed the powers and the authorities that came with that authority that Adam had, that the enemy polluted. So he did three things. He cancelled that authority. He cancelled the rules and regulations and he said, no more powers and authorities that was operating there. I'm cancelling that. That's why he took the keys of the kingdom in, 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 in Hades from the devil and he marched them into heaven. That's why the scriptures in Psalms says, open you heavenly gate that the king of glory may come in. He marched in all the angels, all the demons, everything into and he sat before God and then God gave him the name which is above all other names. Because he humbled himself to a place where God gave him the authority. Now when Jesus came out of the grave, what did he say? We all know the scripture so well. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth was given to me. Therefore go. Therefore go. See, it's important to realize that Jesus didn't say this as God 
But he said this as man. That was before he rose to heaven or ascended to heaven. That was before the ascension. Now how did that happen? Let me explain again. Firstly, he gave up his authority as God. He became nothing. He humbled himself. He came to earth as a man with all his divinity restricted. All his divinity restricted. And thirdly, he came with a mission. And what was the mission? The mission was to re-inherit what man has lost. He came to re-inherit what man has lost when Adam fell and gave up his delegated authority that God has given him. You see, as a man, God did everything on our behalf so that we can walk in authority even greater than the authority he walked on with, on earth. See, a man had to come to undo what a man did. That's why Jesus had to come, give up everything he had, humbled himself to get back and re-inherit everything that we lost through Adam. Look what John 14, 12 says. It says the following, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Now you walk in authority that I have re-inherited from the enemy. I'm, you're walking in an authority that, that God has given me and I'm the mediator between you and God. So whatever authority God given me, every name, above every other name, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that He's God. In that authority He said, I'm the mediator, I'm giving you as human race the authority. You see, today we are walking in a re-inherited authority. Not the old authority, a re-inherited authority, a paid by Jesus. And the authority was created through the mediation of Jesus. That's why we said last week, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, because Jesus overcame everything. We stand in that place of authority, we said that we have overcome everything. Now maybe this is old news or maybe this is far-fetched. But we need to get a revelation of what we have in Christ. We need to get a revelation of the power of the gospel. If we don't have a revelation, we don't know what we believe. You see, every revelation on, in, in the word is an invitation to a divine encounter. Think about that quickly. If you have a revelation out of the Word, it empowers you to do that. So if the Word says in, in Matthew 10 and Luke 9, it says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. I am sending you. I have given you authority. That's not a suggestion. That's a revelation. When I grabbed that revelation when I was a young Christian, about 10, 12, well, 15, almost 15 years ago, when I realized that the Bible didn't say pray for the sick. It said heal the sick. I realized that, but then if I don't believe this, I don't have a revelation of this, this, then I don't know my authority in Christ. And I went on a journey to say, okay, Lord, now you need to show me my authority in you so that I know that I can heal the sick. Not go and pray for them. Yes, we do it through prayer. 
But we don't go and say, Lord, please, Lord, please, Jesus, will you heal this man? No, Paul said, stand up. Jesus said, fold up your bed and go. Peter walked by, his, his shadow went over, the, over people and they stood up. They walked in the miraculous power of God. Why? Because they had a, a revelation of the authority of Christ. You see, every revelation is an invitation to a divine encounter. It empowers us to do what has been revealed to us. Like I said last week, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means the power of God can operate through our lives the same as it operated through Jesus' life. Last week, we, I pray, I, we preach about this and we preach about resurrection power. That we are walking in power and, and divine encounters that God has given us. Uncle Viv came up. He's not here this morning. They had to go to Cape Town. And I wanted him to share this, but maybe in two weeks he'll share. And he, he lost all feeling in his feet a couple of months ago. And one of his ankles, he twisted one of his ankles, so one of his ligaments lit, literally out of order. So he walks and then just falls over. He doesn't know what happened. So I said, but let's pray for it. And I put my hands on his feet. We prayed for it. And I said, well, I just felt something happen. And he said, well, great. You called me a couple of days ago. He said, Henny, I haven't had pain in my feet. The feeling in my feet is back. I haven't fallen over. So did I do something weird? No, I just put my hand on his feet and I said, I just command this feet to be healed. As simple as that. And God healed him. And there's a number of testimonies that I can tell you today, but when we have a revelation of the authority of God in our lives, the way we see life changes. See, we can operate in a higher authority that Jesus received. We are supposed to operate in a higher authority. I remember when I, that day when I got that revelation, God started challenging me and said, Henny, whenever you walk past a sick person or somebody, are you praying for them? I said, Lord, no, I don't have the, the boldness to do that. <laughs> and Jesus said, but don't you trust me? I said, I do, Lord. Then he says, but let the revelation lead you. See, the word needs to be such a revelation to us that will lead us to a divine encounter. I can tell you more testimonies of God supernaturally supplying finances. I remember me and my wife was married just about two, three weeks in. By the second month, we couldn't pay our rent because it was just, ministry was tough. And I was like, Lord, you need to help us. Like, I'm almost three months rent after. I just got married. I don't want to show my wife that I can't t t take care of her. I mean, there was some pride of her as a man as well. That I, and I was like, Lord, I pray and I trust you. And then one morning I woke up, I was like so discouraged. I was like, man. And it, I felt like the Lord told me, it's like, Henny, won't you just take Salome out tonight? I said, Lord, are you serious? I have no, I think I have three rand in my bank account. And all I have is a credit card, well, I think, with a thousand rand on. I'm not, using, I'm not using debt to take, out of my, take my wife out. And God says, why don't you just go ahead? I thought, what? I said, okay, I'll take my wife. I went to her. I mean, you should have seen her face when I said, we're going to go for a movie and like supper tonight. 
it's like a question mark. I said, are you crazy? Because <laughs> I know what's in. I said, don't worry, we'll be fine. Just, we went for a movie. We swiped that credit card. Please don't do that. That was a personal revelation. <laughs> and uh, we had such a great evening. I drove back home and I thought, wow, Lord, that was so nice. I feel so full of peace. I, just, I feel rest. I mean, I feel in your rest. I know there's some debt that we need to cancel, but I just feel that you've blessed me. And we drove into our house. We stayed in a small little townhouse complex with four townhouses, just in one complex. So you have to go in with a remote. You can't go in with buttons or anything. Somebody has to buzz you in. It's, it's very complicated, very safe. So we drove in, and, and I, we had a little car that we looked after for the church. And I drove into our driveway, and I saw there was an envelope in the, in the window of our car. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's probably the... Probably the um, the owner who left me like a notice of leaving his property because I haven't paid rent for three months. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to spoil this moment. I'm going to park at the door. It's like, so it's like, told Salome, go and make us some tea. I'll just park the car quickly. You know, I'll be with you now. And I parked the car and I walked up and I thought, okay, and I took the envelope and, and weirdly enough, it was very thick. And I thought, that is weird. This must be a thick letter. I hope it's not a court order or something. So I came into the house, I opened it, and it was 15,000 rand of 100 rand notes. And the only thing in our, in our under envelope stood our names. Nobody could, could get in there. Electric fencing as high as the roof. Nobody was there. It was just us in a complex. And still today we believe it was a supernatural provision of God. Just We could pay four months of rent. We could bless someone with some of their rent, I could pay off my debt. <laughs> but see, when authority comes and you realize that God is the God of authority who has given us the authority through Jesus, then supernatural things happen in our lives. Sometimes we are the greatest block between us and a miracle. And sometimes we just need to step over that line and say, Lord, I know the authority that you've given me. I know what you've paid for me. I know the gospel that says that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That means that I'm in right standing with God. He's not counting my sin against me. I repent and I move on and I live in righteousness. You see, Jesus didn't go through the blood and the guts of the cross so that we can have awesome church services. Or just awesome church. I think it's amazing. I love church. But we can't just get stuck at church. We need to see and encounter a God of the supernatural, of divine things in our lives. See, he went through all that so that the church could carry a re-inherited, a re-inherited authority. So, when, so, so now I'm going to ask the question, so if we are walking in this authority, why are there evil in the world? Well, maybe, you, maybe you know the answer, but why evil in the world? How do we explain evil? See, evil is when a lower authority tries to, take, tries to make itself equal to a higher authority. That's the basic definition of evil. When a lower authority tries to be equal or try to grab a place of equality to a higher authority. 
See, Jesus gave up his legitimate authority and humbled himself so that he could re-inherit God's authority. Why? So that we could bring heaven to earth. That's kingdom. So that we can bring heaven to earth. That means that, is there any sick people in heaven? No. Is there any poor people in heaven? Absolutely not. Is there any mental diseases in heaven? No. We are called to bring heaven to earth. Why? Because we've got a re-inherited authority that Jesus paid for. That's the gospel. The gospel of salvation. When we are saved, when we reach out, when we step into that place of salvation, God doesn't just, now, now your sin is paid for. Yes, that is true. But He says, now you, I give you the re-inherited authority that my son has paid for. Go and heal the sick. Go and be poor no more. Go and step out in faith. Be an encouragement to the body. I see the church is waiting to go to heaven to get away from evil. That's not kingdom thinking. <laughs> the kingdom is meant to bring heaven to earth. To step on evil's neck. To crush the enemy's head that Jesus has done already. Sometimes we're just a revelation from, from stepping into a place of authority with the Father. Knowing who we are. See, I'm tired of the evil in the world, of women being abused, of children being raped, of I can go on and on. Evil stuff in this world. While Jesus died for us so that we can step up into authority above the place of evil. See, Jesus sent us as ambassadors of the highest government to earth. Or or pipped us as ambassadors of the king with the highest authority. And it was for, for, was for a reason. The reason was to walk as Jesus has walked on earth. That's why Jesus says, you will do the same things I have done, but you will even do greater things. Why? Because you've got the Holy Spirit. You can function in the authority and in the power of God. Advancing the kingdom is never holding our ground. It is taking ground. It is taking ground. Whenever you are in an offensive relationship or in places, it's not just trying to hold your ground. It's taking your ground in a place of humility, stepping out in that authority that God has given us and said, Lord, this is who I am. When the Holy Spirit was poured out over 120 men, they were scared. They didn't know what was going to happen. Jesus, their Savior, the mentor that they walked with, saw Him do miracles, just died. A very brutal death. They saw Him being buried. And all they remember is Jesus said, go and gather in Jerusalem. They were scared. But when the Holy Spirit came upon them, it just didn't come upon them, it came upon them with power. I know the word says it came in power to be a witness. Now, a witness is someone with authority. If I don't know my authority, I will not be able to witness. Because I don't know how to witness because there's no authority. But the Holy Spirit came upon them with power to be witnesses, to see miracles and signs. And what happened? The course of history immediately changed. The church was birthed. That's what happened. 
See, those men went out and changed the world from there. 120 of them. They ran into that street. Peter stood up, preached a sermon. 3,000 people got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Power. Divine encounters. Miracles. See, when God pours Himself out in our lives, the purpose is for us to change the world. How can I change the world? Easy. One person at a time. One person at a time. One friend. One neighbor. One conversation. That's how we change the world. From a revelation that we are the righteousness of God. I want to finish with this scripture. Acts 5 verse 11 verse 2, 16. This is just great. I just love it. If you ever want to treat yourself and you want to see the power of God move in the church, go and read Acts. But go and read Acts from the point of, Lord, I want to see how your power and miracle power has worked through the church. Go and read Acts from a different perspective. Now let's read. It says, Great fear seized the whole church and all heard about these events. Now this is after Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead after they lied about their, um, their property that they sold. Then he says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them because they were afraid. They never saw this. Even though they were highly re regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And what happened? All of them, all of them got healed or were healed. See, crowds gathered around these men. Why? Because of the supernatural. They saw things that they've never seen. Somebody asked me the other day, Henny, what is our generation, our young generation, hungry for? I said, easy. Go and look what shows they are watching on Netflix, what movies they're making. And all movies are about supernatural things. All movies are about superheroes, powers that we don't have. All these things, they have a longing for the supernatural. Our generation has a longing to see greater things. To see miracles that they read about, but all they know about church is religion. But what our generation wants to know is that they are the righteousness of God. God don't count their sins against them. He already counted against Jesus. So repent and walk over to a place where you are counted as the righteousness of God. Stepping into that authority that God has given us. See, that's a generation we will reach with a world that, don't worry about your sins. Come and repent. Jesus died for you. He loves you. But any you don't know what I did. I don't care. Jesus did. Because he died for it 2,000 years ago. See, that's what our generation wants to hear. See, Jesus came and cancelled illegitimate authority on the cross. That illegitimate authority that the devil stole from Adam and then he released, re-inherited authority 
That's what happened. So they were revival. These men and women saw revival. Where did it start? The Holy Spirit poured out. Right here. Holy Spirit started after a revival started within. And what happened when the revival hit? They stepped out. They saw miracles. They saw signs. They saw the miraculous. So if we start to truly understand the gospel and the authority of God, we can't just do nothing. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm really trying to, to pinch myself on a daily basis when I see somebody that's sick, somebody that's injured. This immediately I said, Lord, will you remind me who I am when I see someone that needs a miracle? See, that is what God has called us. He gave us something so incredible. We can't help not using our authority on this earth. We need to go and touch a generation. We need to go and touch your neighbor, your friends. We need to bring the power of God to people. Maybe you say, Vahini, I don't experience the power of God as I should. That's fine. Just trust God and start going out, stepping out, trusting Him for more, for bigger things. And stepping into that re-inherited authority that God has given us.